It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama after a couple of days in Oxford, Mississippi. Painter Sharpless coming to you from parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello, brother. I've decided that I, I've got to get a better situation for this. I just don't really, I don't have the ideal podcasting setup with my chair, my desk height. Everything's off. Okay. So what do you... How are we going to fix this? I, I guess I have to get a new desk. And I've got two desks desk. that I do the recording at, depending on what the, uh, the situation is around the house, who needs what. Uh, but mm. This just isn't cutting it, quite frankly. And because of y'all's subscriptions, I can get another... I can have a third desk if I want to. Yeah, man. Painter's rolling in desk money right now. Um, I bought a new chair during COVID that I really enjoy. Uh, getting a good chair really changes a lot. I don't know what kind of I don't know what kind of chair situation you're in right now, um, but uh, a really good chair. And, and I didn't break the bank on mine, you know. I just I, but I got I got one. I got a good quality Office Depot one. <laughs> that's know? that's what about about my speed. I have a a friend and a coworker whose significant other works at like a a, ba- a place that basically designs office setups, and they have chairs yeah. that are. Upwards of a thousand dollars. No, I mean mine. I think my mine might have gotten around a hundred, but not that much more. It's one of these. Um, so like, it's one of these open, uh, not open, but like mesh back ones. So you know it doesn't get like real hot um, in the summertime, which is always kind of key because I don't necessarily. Um, I was. <laughs> I actually had a conversation about this recently. My parents growing up, like, we didn't really run the air conditioning, like, super high during the summer, like, ever. Um, and so, like, I think since I've moved out, you know, in the last decade and got out of my own, um, I, I just don't do that either. Like, <laughs> it's, just, like it's in my blood now where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to pay for that. <laughs> the power, power bills are too high. I'm not going to do that. And yet some people, you know, I'll go hang out with people somewhere. Um, this is also crazy, like, during in hotel rooms. People like uh, there are some people. Uh, they, 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 like, put, they put that thing on sixty. Oh God! And then and then it's just you when know, we worked at the radio station, that place was frigid. That yeah, and, and I remember you always had to have frigid. the sweatshirt on or the hoodie. I, I guess I couldn't. I couldn't pull it off. I couldn't handle it. So yeah, everybody, everybody, if you have a good chair or desk recommendation for painter, let let him let him know. He's got he's got that uh, he's got that ability now. He can. He can uh he can splash that cash. Uh we're here to talk, of course, about Auburn football's loss at Ole Miss. A loss that really I don't think the way it went, pretty much anybody saw it coming. 48-34, Auburn dropping one to Oxford uh, to Oxford. To Ole Miss in Oxford. By the way, just throwing this stat out there, you may have seen it yesterday. It's only the fourth time Auburn's ever lost to Ole Miss in Oxford. The previous three times that has happened, 1992, uh, 2012, or I'm sorry, 2008 and 2012. Uh, what's so significant about those previous three years? Uh, the coach for those get all three of those games did not come back to Auburn the next season. So we talked about it earlier in the year. That kind of Missouri curse. If you lose to Missouri, that's usually not a good sign for your for your longevity as an SEC football coach. For Auburn, losing at Ole Miss, something. I mean, 
I think I think yesterday was only Ole Miss's eleventh win all time against Auburn. Like it's not very many. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, history has kind of set itself up. But I will say there was a chance yesterday, and we're recording this on Sunday morning. There was a chance yesterday as we were watching Auburn Ole Miss where it looked like you know, Pam, we've talked about it all year or all season so far. When it, in the bad times, this Auburn football team has not given up yet. The body language hasn't looked terrible. They've continued to fight. They get down 21 nothing early in the second quarter, and it looked like it was going to be on the verge of just packing it in. Um, and then it was just going to be like, okay, well, how bad does this get? How bad does this get? And in defense of Auburn, they fought back on offense. 34 points on the road. So 34 points is the most they have scored uh, against a – Power 5 team since the Bo Nix injury last year. So it's been a minute. They ran the ball exceptionally well. Um, and we'll talk more about that because there's some there's some nuance and some detail to that I want to get into. Um, on the flip side, though, Ole Miss did whatever they wanted on, on the ground. Um, Ole Miss running for 448 yards in this game. That is, I think I saw it's like the fifth or sixth most ever from Ole Miss. One time Auburn gave up like 500 yards to Ole Miss on the ground in like the fifties when Ole Miss was like a like really good like championship caliber team, um, and you know they they might be again this year, but this is like when they were one of considered one of the best in the country year in and year out. Um, this is the most rushing yards Auburn's allowed at least in twenty years. Uh, the thought is it might be the most ever, or well not the most ever, the most since that other Ole Miss game that five hundred yard game, because once you get past 2000 it's hard to get kind of like game by game numbers especially when it's like okay a team against you that's not necessarily something they want to promote in the uh in the old media guide the old record book they don't want to be like this is a time we got 700 yards dropped on our heads but anyway Ole Miss we'll start there because um I think the story of the game has to be told that way Auburn's off for the first time in a while painter we're talking about a game where Auburn's offense picked themselves off the mat, did a lot in this game. It was the defense that couldn't hang around. Now, offense had their flaws. We will get to them, obviously. But every time you think you have this Auburn football team completely figured out this year, and it's not good, it's not positive, it's still a loss. They're still 3-4, and 1-3 and three in SEC play. And, uh, you know, Brian Hartson's 3-9 and nine in his last 12 games at, at Auburn. Um, it's not good, but, like, this was a turn that I don't think Anybody saw coming? I know. I know. I didn't. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure you didn't either. I was. Uh, I had an Ole Miss friend text me as the game was beginning, and he was like, "I've had a feeling about this game all week." And I was like, "Brother, you are wasting your brain power. Um, I don't know how we're going to be able to score more than three times." And to Auburn's credit, they did score more than three times. Uh huh. Yeah, they did score more than three times. They got Tank Bigsby going again. But, yeah, let's start with the defense. This is this is a trend that has been around for a few weeks now. You go back to the Penn State game, and it was bad tackling, bad fits. You know, Nick Singleton, Catron Allen, those guys did a really good job for Penn State. Just I mean, Penn State just got after Auburn in the running game, and they busted some big plays on them. 
by the way, Penn State could not run the ball well against Michigan on Saturday, and Michigan looked all world running the ball against them. So if you want any more proof about how far Auburn has kind of fallen back, um, especially at the line of scrimmage, there's your there's your proof right there. Missed tackles, though, man. This is a stat I tweeted out just before we started um, recording. This is according to Pro Football Focus. Auburn defenders missed 23 tackles against Ole Miss on Saturday. That's a lot. Here's how much it was. Auburn's previous season high was 11, which they had done in a couple of games. This is more than twice the amount of missed tackles they had in any other game this season, and it showed. It really, really showed in this game. How many times did Auburn look like they had a chance to get a stop or have a play in the backfield or near the line of scrimmage only for Ole Miss to get a successful play out of it? According to Derek Hall, he said after the game, he said, uh, uh, quote, it's the same story this week, misfits. We gift a lot of things to teams. That's something we've been talking about a lot. We go back and watch the tape, and if a guy's in, the ga- in that gap, the play is dead. Just things, that, just some things we have to continue to work on, but it's the same stuff we had seen all week. They just exploited our mistakes, and offenses want to do that. Owen Papo said, misfits and missed tackles. Uh, it's a bad trend this season. we got to get it corrected. Leron says, we got to reevaluate what we've been doing. Everybody has a chance to look in the mirror during the bye week because, obviously, it hasn't been working. Auburn's pass defense has kind of stepped up to the challenge. I mean, they did not look good early in the season. Penn State got some shots on them, um, you know, in week three. Since then, they had kind of tightened it up. You know, Jane Daniels couldn't do much of anything. Uh, Missouri didn't have much of anything uh, through the air in that game. Um, you know, tough first half. For uh, for Stetson Bennett against Auburn last week, this week Jackson Dart completes less than fifty percent of his passes. Auburn gets an interception. He was efficient, but a lot of it was some of this RPO kind of just shots. You know, taking your specific shot, one read kind of things. Auburn's pass defense has stepped up to the occasion. On the on the flip side, though, this 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 run defense has gotten really, really, really bad. Um, it's. It's misfits. It's guys not. It's guys not being in the right spot. It's missed tackles when they are in the right spot, and this is this is a really really big issue because you're about to play teams like Arkansas and A and M's best case of moving the ball on you is is, is running. You know that's going to come from um, Alabama, and then like Mississippi State is running the ball. You know, even for an air raid team, for a classic air raid team, they are running the ball a lot more. Um, than uh, State has this year, or than, than State has usually done this year under Mike Leach. So this is an area where they're going to pick on you. And this was a game where Auburn's second and third levels in terms of tackling and being in the right spots um, really got them. Because Lane Kiffin is a great play caller, and Lane Kiffin comes up with creative ways to attack you over and over and over and over again. It's the RPOs. It's the, you know, they ran to the outside a lot. Brian Harson said it after the game. They schemed some stuff up. They got guys moving. And it's like they're challenging them. They know Auburn has had a hard time making some tackles in space. And it's like, all right, well, you're going to really have to do it in this game. And it just worked. It just it just worked. And this this is kind of – I'm not saying it's 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 super surprising. Like, Auburn's, Auburn's defense is worse than I thought. They were. Like, look, I, I was – you know, I'll, I'll admit it. I was the one trumping out. I thought this had a chance to be a really good defense this year. I, mean, I said that a bunch of times. Not 
really <laughs> not really sticking to that now. Like that's not it's not something I would say. But I would still contend that they have good personnel. They have good personnel, especially on that defensive line. And they made some plays. They made some impact plays in this game. But it's the miss. It's the linebackers. It's you know, it's 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 some guys at safety and a nickel and stuff. They just missing tackles like that. And teams are just going to pick on it. Like the book is out on Auburn. And a guy like Lane Kiffin, um, just as and his scheme specifically is just designed to find what you what you're not very good at and just abuse it over and over and over again. I um, mean, they have the confidence to do that. Um, yeah, this is it's 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 rough. It is rough to see because to have experience coming back uh, on the defensive front, a little bit of we knew linebacker. If Owen Papo wasn't like back to his old self, a hundred percent, it would it could be rough at linebacker this season. It's just everything's kind of gotten to that to that level this this year. And um, man, I mean, tightening up the pass defense is great. It, it's it's a it's it. It's exactly what you need to do if you're Auburn. But if a team like Ole Miss doesn't feel like they have to put the ball in the air, it doesn't matter. If a team feels like, oh, we'll just run on them, we'll just we'll just run on them. We'll get them moving. We'll get them out of gaps. We'll get we'll get them frustrated. And like Ole Miss playing its pace, you know, Auburn's having a hard time getting calls in sometimes and lining up right in pre-snap. That's just what it looks like from my perspective. Guy's still looking to the sidelines, plays happening, you're just kind of getting caught out of position. This stuff is just going to keep happening over and over again. And that, I think, is where a lot of people are really, really frustrated with this Auburn defense. Because like you said, Banner, they've got talent. They've got some dudes. It's just, it's just not coming together at all. It is very funny to have your best offensive day in, I don't know, I mean, since you said last year, right? I mean, most points they've scored against a Power 5 team all season. And then whatever the defense decided to do um, in in concert with you actually scoring some points. Yeah. It's just they could not get stops. Now, they made some plays where they – okay. The fourth down pass interference call on time pocket. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Contact gets there early for sure. But man, some of that's just football. Some of that's just there's gonna be contact, man. You can't expect everybody to just run free on those plays. Yeah, and, and I've seen more tough. people pointing out, like, I don't know what the refs should do or if there should be a rule change because pass interference is already so subjective. Uh but you know, the lobbing up a fifty fifty ball short, I think Derek Carr is pretty good at this, and then having the defender fight back for it and draw the PI, it's like Okay, I don't really know what the refs are supposed to do, but also that probably shouldn't be at a penalty on Puckett. Oh yeah, and he and he turned his head like you know he did he did some of the things that you know they're at least looking for. It's just it looked like a very controversial call. Now, if it was on the other side, if Auburn was making that play, I think it was still fifty fifty. You know enough where you know Auburn fans, if you were in Ole Miss's shoes, you'd be like, yeah, that's pass interference. So, you know that's clearly pass interference or something. So I think there's some of that to it. That was very controversial. I thought I thought he played a good, made a good play, and it just, you know, the the rest were calling it the way it did. There were some plays that the pass defense made in this game that I thought were really good. That should have been one of them. Um, there was a back shoulder ball that Nehemiah Pritchett like stuck on the dude's hip and then can't, you know fought through and and you know, popped it away. So that that part of the defense is stepping up and is taking taking some positive tr- strides. But at the same time, going back to something that Papo said after the game, he said. 
and this was the towards the front of the observations on Saturday. He said, it's like once we fix one thing we've messed up on, it's always something else, you know? And it's like, yeah, yeah. Like when you felt like Auburn's defensive front was, you know, early on in the season they were making tackles and they were, you know, slowing down the run. Even the Missouri game, you kind of felt like they were doing that. Then LSU started popping them on the ground game a couple weeks ago. And that was that was a bad sign because LSU hadn't been running the ball particularly well against a lot of teams. And then Georgia got it last week. And you know, for Georgia, you could say like, well, they got dominated at the line of scrimmage, and um, you know, Georgia was more physical and deeper, and Auburn had some injuries. This game, you can't say that about Ole Miss. You you can't. Now they had some injuries, and like guys were on Auburn were dropping like flies, but a lot of them came back into the game. This was just. This is just the fact that, like, Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin knew what was hurting Auburn and just kept going at it over and over and over again. And here's the difference between Auburn and Ole Miss in this game in terms of the ground. Because both teams ran the ball well. Auburn ran for 301 yards in this game. Um, Yards per carry, 6.3. Ole Miss, 6.5. So, like, efficiency-wise, right around there, you would think. All right? Well... Yards per play wise, they're right there. I'll, I'll 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 counter on the efficiency thing, but here's the thing: look at Pro Football Focus, um, basing it off of their numbers. Auburn ran for 300, according to their numbers. You know, Auburn ran for 314. I don't know where all that came from, but anyway, yards after contact. I, I'm looking at it. I'm eyeballing it. For Tank Bigsby, it's like only like 14 or 15 of his yards were not after contact. Charquez Hunter, about 30-something. Um, meanwhile, Ole Miss, Zach, Zach Evans, about a 40-yard difference. Dayton Wade, an even bigger difference. The the receiver had a big run. Quinshaw Junkins, Judkins, sorry, the freshman from Pike Road, about a 77-yard difference. Jackson Dart, a 62-yard difference. Here's what happened in this game, in the ground game. Auburn ran the ball on Ole Miss because they've got better players. Tank Bigsby is a better player. He is a very, very talented running back. Jarquez Hunter is a very talented running back as well. And they had to do a lot of that and like, create a lot of that. Um, Hunter break. I mean, Tank Bigsby breaking a lot of tackles. This dude loves loves playing Ole Miss. <laughs> his, his all three games he has against Ole Miss were, were some of his best of his career. He got it is explosive early. And look, I, Auburn's offensive line. I'll, I'll go back and watch it. It'll probably be the subject of the film room on Monday. Was getting more of a push. Creating a little bit more of a, of a uh, you know, a little bit more room. They weren't giving up as many plays in the backfield, right? Not as much penetration. But, but still over half of Auburn's carries on Saturday went for two yards or less. They were still getting stopped. Whereas Ole Miss was getting more of those four, five, six. They weren't as dependent on explosive plays. They weren't as dependent on the big plays. They were able to kind of get the steadier chunks. Whereas a lot of what Auburn did, huge. Tank Bigsby had two 50-yard runs in this game. Jarquez Hunter had a 40-yard run. Had some big runs and some big plays. A lot of explosiveness to it. And like, yeah, you had Jeremiah Wright in there and you felt like maybe changing up some stuff on the offensive line due to injury. Got, got some movement going on. I think also it's like Ole Miss's defensive front. Auburn was able to just kind of get, you know, bodies and, you know, manipulation and stuff like that with, with hat count and stuff like that. They were able to kind of push and, and, and prod through their through their way through that. But 
Here's where it comes down to to me, and I don't know if, you know, this is not anything new and this is not anything super insightful, but it's what I keep going back to from this game specifically. Auburn ran the ball well and had their success when they did against Ole Miss because on the whole, this is a team that has, at spots, more talent than Ole Miss usually does. That's just the just the bottom line. Ole Miss was able to win this game and be more successful for Auburn when they didn't. I mean, they're not built on as many recruiting good recruiting classes as Auburn has. Now, I know Auburn's taking a step back in recruiting. This is still a, you know, a, a, a team that is in the blue-chip ratio. Ole Miss is not. Ole Miss has coaches and players in this system, and they're well-drilled, and they, they have this scheme, and they, they were able to make it work. They know Auburn's weak points, and they're able to be, you know, they're able to morph and adapt their offense to just go after it. And Auburn's just not consistent enough to do that. It's just when they ran the ball well on Saturday, it felt a lot of like, oh, it's just it's it's the players. It's it's the fact that they have talent. Now, I'm not taking away what Auburn adjusted on offense. They hit more outside runs, it felt like. You know, they did seem to tweak some things a little bit more. You saw um Robbie Ashford run a little more uh as a design runner in this game. Those were changes, and those are some changes you needed to make. But Ole Miss was able to overcome Auburn in this game because they had, you know, they had the coaching, they had the scheme, they had they had the adjustments, the play calling that worked. I mean, that's what Kiffin does, and that's what Kiffin is known for, and that's why he's got an Ole Miss team that has done well in the transfer portal, has done decently in high school recruiting, but they, he's got them undefeated and in the top ten right now. Because I think they just they have a system and they have a brand and they have a style and they have a really good play call. This is going to work and it can overcome talent gaps. That's why they beat good teams in the past. Yeah, Lane's a great example and that staff too of a coach that I think each year builds around their strengths. Strengths may change, uh, but it doesn't really matter. They're capable of taking whatever personnel they have and maximizing. Uh, those players' talents, uh, which was very evident, as you point out, when you look at a team like Ole Miss and the, you know, pretty noticeable talent disparity. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take... Uh, Quinshot Judkins is a great running back, by the way, and Jarquez Hunter is too. Quinshot Judkins... I keep pronouncing the man's name wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, but right down the road in Pike Road, number 46 running back in the country in last year's class, Right? Auburn, you know, there was at least some interest there. There's words that, that um, from recruiting folks that, you know, Judkins was interested in coming to Auburn, but Auburn just took one running back in the class and ended up being to Mari Austin. I don't know. You know Judkins, I mean, that's one of those things where it's like, well, what if Auburn had Quinshot Judkins? What if he would have stayed? It's like, he's probably doing what Demari Austin does right now because you have Tank Bigsby and you have Jarquez Hunter. But, yeah, this is a dude who's number 46 running back in the, in the, in the country this past, this past class. Ole Miss's offensive line's not built with a ton of four-star and five-star linemen. However, Jenkins runs for a buck thirty-nine and two touchdowns. Now Zach Evans was a five-star. Zach Evans was really, really good, and it's just he's getting his career really going here. But Jenkins has been able to be the guy for them this year because I mean it's just it, it works. He's a, he I, he's an under-the-radar player. He should have been rated higher. We all know that at this point. But also, it's just how Ole Miss uses him and how he, how Lane and, and this offense utilizes him makes a huge difference. And so in a game like this, Jackson Dart is not as good as uh, Matt Corral. 
as a quarterback. Like, not quite as efficient, not quite as, you know, impactful. Dart made some bad decisions, made some bad... But dude can run. Dude's a, dude's a really talented runner. And and the scheme and the way they were doing that, I mean, again, a lot of Auburn's uh, yards in this game were still after contact. Ole Miss's, it was a much lower percentage because they were able to find ways to get guys in space and, and, and make it happen. So, I mean, good for Auburn to run the ball like this. And I think, you know, we'll see. I, I, I want to watch it back again. But, like, I want to know how much having a guy like Jeremiah Wright, who there were a few plays when I noticed him where it was like, oh, yeah, he is – He's he's pancaking guys. He's getting in there. He's he's you know taking advantage of this opportunity. Now it comes because of injury. It comes because Auburn has to shake some things up on the offensive line. But um you know, you 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 feel like you feel like you might have something there that you might be able to keep going keep it going against a place like Arkansas. Against a team like Arkansas which has given up some big yards and games this year. A&M will be really tough. But you've got momentum. You've got something you fix. And maybe it's like the pass defense where it's once you make that correction and that fix and you find some of that success, maybe you can keep it going. Maybe it can, maybe it can be sustainable if you're Auburn for the rest of the season. That's their best bet because Robbie Ashford, the good and the bad, Auburn's sticking with him in this. And this was a Robbie Ashford game uh, that we have seen you know, already in his first few starts. Made some good plays. Made some good throws downfield. Scramble drill really works for him. He was more of a design runner in this one. That was helpful. Two interceptions. That last one, he just had to throw it somewhere. So you don't have to fault him too much for that. But sails a sails an early screen to Tank Bigsby, and it gets intercepted. Ole Miss scores off of that touchdown, uh, off of that interception. Scores a touchdown off of that. Has a fumble um, that loses a ton of yards early. They put T.J. Finley back in, and it's run, run, sack, you know, strip sack. Ole Miss scores off of that. And then they go right back to Robbie Ashford. Because I think it's the thing is that this Auburn offensive line, you know, they tightened up in their in their pass protection in the second half some, a little bit more, I would say. But even still, it's, it's just you're going to – it's just going to be leaky up front. And Ashford's the guy who's going to be able to manage it the best. They're sticking with him. I mean, they, Finley just got one. Finley came back. He's healthy. He only got one drive. And Robbie Ashford gets into the game. And Auburn goes down the field and scores a touchdown. And they get the ball back and they go score another touchdown. And good resilience by him. But here's the thing we also know. He's fumbled the ball more than anybody in FBS this season. Um, he's got he's got a he's got a decent number of interceptions at this point. You're gonna have to take the bad with the good with him, and the good is, well, he can run the he can run, and he can scramble, and he can throw the ball downfield and make some stuff happen. You know, there's some third and longs they converted because of him and what he was able to create, but also not a very efficient passer in the short yarded stuff. Is turnover prone, but that's what you got at this point. Because I think you saw in this game, like when you bring Finley back in there, you just lose some of that. You lose some of that dynamic. You lose some of that what you need to have. Like TJ Finley may be your better option for Auburn at quarterback if you had a better offensive line, if you had more protection up front. That's just not the case. And at least Ashford can help you open some stuff up. Uh, but Painter, I got to give him credit. I gotta give I gotta give Robbie Ashford credit. I think he was kind of a, a 
a microcosm of the team as a whole where it's like they could have packed it in and been done, and he got benched. He comes right back in and helps lead Auburn. Two, two third and long conversions from him on that drive. He helps him convert and score a touchdown and stay in the game, and it's like that fight Auburn showed after coming back down 21 nothing. QB1 got it. Like, Robbie Ashford got it. And it's just, like I said, young quarterback in terms of experience. There's just, there there are obvious weaknesses to his game, but there are some strengths. And it's just, if you're Auburn at this point, you just got to roll with it. You got to roll with it. That's what you got. And I think you saw in this game, some of what you got, if you if you can get it a little bit more consistently, can't help you. Like, you can, you can put up points with this guy. What an absolute roller coaster when they put TJ Finley in. Yeah, I thought it was like, well, he's turning the ball over, or Ashford's turning the ball over. It's been rough. Throw him in there and see what you got. And then it was just didn't do anything, and then you put him right back out. And it's just, I don't know what that does for TJ. Like, again, I, I, I had said earlier in the week I wouldn't have been surprised. I, I wouldn't have been surprised if we didn't see TJ Finley play again this season. But, you know, he made the trip. He was healthy. Now I'm like, okay, you got it. You just got to let Robbie Ashford roll with it because you pull him out and put him back in, or like I don't know if that I don't know if that helps anything. You know, I don't know if you I don't know if you want to affect Ashford that way. Um, and look, like his like his his passing numbers in this game were not great. Now he was able to throw it down the field. He hit a few deep balls, a little bit better in the short yardage game. I'll give him credit, but he did have that one interception on the uh, on the throw behind the line of scrimmage. So. A little bit better um, short passing numbers with him. It's just that's not that's not going to be a super efficient part of their game. And so I think for Auburn in this off week, if you're trying to get the best-case scenario moving forward for the rest of the season, if you're Auburn, what you've got to do is, hey, this is who we've got. This is what, you know, you've got to really lock in on, like, what, what does Robbie Ashford do the best and, like, what situations get him in those spots over and over. And, like, that's what you got to do. And I think – I think Auburn showed some of that. I said it earlier in the week in our last podcast when we previewed it. It's like how much Auburn changes their offense I think is going to determine a lot of what happens moving forward for the team and the coaching staff. And they did some. Like I wouldn't say this is revolutionary brand new offense, but they got 34 points. And I think he got to play a little bit like that. Now, it helps a lot when Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are getting a little bit more opportunities and they're breaking, breaking tackles and creating big plays. Um... But we'll see. On top of that, though, Auburn loses this game by two touchdowns. Ole Miss scores two touchdowns off of turnovers from Auburn. The third one they just run the clock out on. And additionally, we talk about making good calls and being smart and 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 having coaching. You know, having the coaching uh, get you get you to that point over the top. Lane Kiffin calling that onside kick. One of the best calls. As I wrote in the observations, that flipped the win probability of this that game by 53%. Biggest play of the game. And as Brian Arson said, they just got Auburn. They saw it. I think they noticed that Auburn's up guys, those guys on that front line, were turning their heads a little too quickly, um, trying to watch the ball. And, and you know, and Papo said after the game, it's like we say it all the time, like make sure you see the ball kicked. Make sure you see the ball kicked before you turn your head if you're up front. That didn't happen. Auburn hesitated, and they get the onside kick, and they steal a possession, and they score on that possession to go back up two scores, and they keep by using that they were able to keep Auburn at arm's length the rest of the way. 
because it was just like, all right, well, you're going to have to get a stop. And at that point, Auburn was not getting stops. Really good call. Really good call. And, and as and as Brian Harson said after the game, when I asked him about the, the onside kick, he said, yeah, they flat out got, got us there. They just got us. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> that's – but that again, that's the thing. It's like that onside kick and those turnovers change the game. Because even if Auburn gives up a lot of those yards, they still made them kick some field goals. They got the turnover on downs. They got a turnover in the game. Um, you know, that's a uh, that's something where you have a chance to win that game on the road if you cut down those things. But that's Auburn at this point. They are they've had some special teams miscues the last couple of weeks. And just the turnover, the turnover differential is just is just extremely high. Um, if you go, let's see, Auburn's turnover differential right now, turnover margin. I should probably say it better that way. Uh, they're dead last in the country, minus eleven, because uh, I believe Stanford got some positive ones, got some takeaways yesterday when they beat Notre Dame. Um, so Auburn has. Is has the second most turnovers in the country, uh, tied for the second most. Utah State's the only team that's got more, and they have the worst turnover margin in the country. If Auburn's a middle of the road team in turnovers, I, is, is it crazy for me to think they probably have a couple more wins this year, or at least one? Well, I think you could, they're just a, the LSU they're game, just a like, decent game. Yeah, I mean that seems like a you know. I don't know. I can I can convince myself pretty easily that if Auburn doesn't do what they do in the turnover category, they win the LSU game. And they might have won this game. They might have won this game if 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 they don't if I mean, like I said, Ole Miss, their three turnovers Auburn had, they scored two touchdowns off of them, and then the third one, they use it to finish the game off. You know? Now, again, Auburn's defense was not very good in this game on the ground, and like Ole Miss was still going to force them to make a stop at some point. But, yeah, it's just that, that onside kick was huge, and like that's a team kind of feeling it and taking a gamble and taking a risk and it working out, and it be, and it executed well. It was really executed well by Ole Miss. It wasn't executed well by Auburn. So when Auburn does try those those trick plays or try try those something, something different, it's just backfired a lot more, a lot more frequently. Um, but yeah, that was a, that was a huge, huge moment in the game. Huge moment. If you're Auburn now, moving forward, we're recording this right now. This is 10:25 a.m. when I'm saying these words at the moment. Doesn't seem like, as of right now, it doesn't seem like Auburn's going to make a decision on Brian Harson this weekend. We had said if they were going to do something, the bye week would be the spot to do it. Now. Things can change. Things can turn. We recorded a podcast one time where we, where we had, oh, yeah, this is, you know, we'll see what it looks like moving forward. And then as soon as we get it posted, Auburn fires Gus Malzahn. That happened. That happened. We owned it up, as we've said in the past, or as I, at least I've said in the past. Not a dude with a ton of insider knowledge. It's just not my game. Um, so, yeah, that one caught me. That one caught me on, off the side of the head, that name. So, I mean, there's a chance stuff like that may happen. But. It does seem, you know, the last few days in ta- in talking and hearing for some people who have some more knowledge than I do, um, and some people that are that are pretty well connected. It, it it seems like Auburn is going to try to get an AD in place. They're going to get an AD in place before anything happens when it comes to the 
comes to Brian Harson's employment and what's next, all that. Auburn doesn't have an AD in, in, in place yet. And so even though the off week would make sense if you wanted to make a move, the fact that Auburn didn't get their doors blown off of them in Oxford, combined with the fact that I think Auburn is wanting to be a little bit more cautious and maybe just a little bit more streamlined in everything of getting an AD in place, you know, not having that decision come down from an interim AD, having somebody permanent in place, I think that's I think that's the scenario we're going to look at here. And there are people who are, you know, more connected uh, in Auburn, outside of Auburn, that have reported the same thing. Uh, they reported similar things. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not breaking any news here. Um, but that lines up with what I've heard the last few days. Auburn's AD. What's going to happen there? It does feel like things are going to kind of come to a close here in the near future. Um, Auburn has talked to and interviewed several candidates. Um, the ones I know of um, are the guy, one of the guys we've talked about a lot, John Hartwell, the, the Utah State AD. Um, Rich McGlynn has been one that you know could be promoted from the interim job to the permanent job. Um, I'm blanking on the name at this moment, but the Georgia Southern AD is is a, is another one that has been mentioned, uh, and he's on the the younger uh, end of the AD spectrum, if I remember correctly. Jared Banco. Yes, Jared Banco. Um, yeah, and he has been he has been the AD at Georgia Southern for two years now, and then David Benedict, who used to work at Auburn, who is now the AD at UConn has also been a name that has been mentioned. Um, and there could be more. And there could be, you know, again, I'm not um, I'm not breaking any news here with that. But I do think it feels like Auburn may be getting closer and closer to your decision and things start rolling. And, you know, Georgia Tech hired their AD this week. Their search was a lot shorter than Auburn's. Their decision was a lot shorter than Auburn's. Um, decision-making pro- process was a lot shorter than Auburn's. They pulled somebody who was on Alabama's was a was a uh, associate AD, I believe, at Alabama, and that you know Auburn fans are like, when's Auburn going to make a move? When's Auburn going to make a move? It feels like they're getting closer and closer to being to having something um, decided by then, and I think once that's in place, you may see Auburn kind of start to get its ducks in a row, so to speak, with what happens next. But again, at, coming off an off week, if it doesn't happen during the off week the more and more likely it is that Brian Harson finishes out the season and that Auburn does what Auburn has done in the past and the coaches go all the way to the end and then they make the decision. And I don't think, I think there, I think that's a chance to, again, like I said, get everything kind of organized if you're Auburn, but also on the other side, it's like, you know, I don't think, even though this is going to be a pretty busy coaching carousel and that this is going to be, you know, there's already a lot of FBS and Power Five jobs already open. I personally, because of the 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 appeal of Auburn as a job and the status is compared to some of these other ones, like Wisconsin and Nebraska are going to be jobs that people want. Auburn, I think, would kind of vault ahead there. Well, hold this on a be... second. I've been told nobody would take this job. It's a yeah, nobody's going to take this job. Terrible job. Nobody. So I would. I'd, I'd back down on that one for. Yeah, well, you know, I don't watch TV for a living, so I don't uh I actually go to the games and actually cover a team. But I will say this. I, I don't think necess- if Auburn doesn't do anything until the end of the year when it comes to Brian Harson, I don't think that's necessarily gonna keep them from getting 
Like, it's not, it's not going to be one of those things where it's like, well, Auburn lost their chance on this guy, this guy, this guy, and this guy because they didn't fire Brian Arson at a time when everybody else was doing it. I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think it's And if and only gonna... for a brief moment, your fan base will be unified. I mean, it's like I said, man, Auburn losing at uh, in Oxford is usually kind of the kind of the unforgivable sin, as Josh Dub put it on Twitter this week when it comes to coaches. And on top of that, three and nine, three and nine in their last 12 games. You know, the last time Auburn's gone three and nine in a 12 game stretch, the 2012 season. The three and nine. Now, here's the other thing. If they lose to Arkansas in two weeks, I've already looked this up. You're talking about Auburn losing 10 games in the span of 13. That's only ever happened, at, or the last time I should say it's happened at Auburn, 1950. We're talking the end of the Earl Brown era and the beginning of the Suge Jordan era. Like, that is the ballpark you're in. Post Immediate post-World War II football. That's where you're at. And Auburn fought back, man. This team's not going to give up. They're not going to fold. These dudes think that they can, you know, turn it around. And they're going to come on into the off week at, with a home game against Arkansas and think they can win and they think they can turn it around. And they might. They might. Maybe not turn it around, but they might win. Auburn's got real problems. they got real deficiencies. But here's the thing. they're not mailing in. This is not a 2012 situation yet. Because I think by this point in the 2012 season, you knew that this thing was over. And they, they were not going to really give up much of a fight anymore. Not seeing that with Auburn. They fought back when they could have easily packed it in and folded on Saturday in Oxford. But the fact of the matter is, it's still a loss. It's still a double-digit loss. It's still, still some exposed. very embarrassing things came out of that loss, too. I mean, you pointed out what the, right. the, the rushing numbers, um, just generally giving up 48 points to a team that is less talented than you. Yeah, that's... That's bad. That is really bad. And that, that you know, maybe the final score wasn't embarrassing if you're Auburn, but there were some aspects of this that were embarrassing. So, yes, you were able to run the ball better, and you were able to put some more points on the board, but you got exposed on defense by a really good play caller and an offense that may not have as much talent on you as paper, uh, on paper, but they have picked it up. And that junk matters, man. You can get coaching to overcome. You can get schemed to overcome it. You know how I know that? I watched the game in Oxford on Saturday. You know what else I did? I watched the ending of the game in Knoxville on Saturday as well. That scheme. Now, Tennessee did a good job. They got their quarterback. Josh Heupel got his quarterback. But that is, they got their dude. And that offense, they don't care, man. They can turn it over. They, like, they know that they're going to move the ball down the field. And they took an Alabama team that's got some of the most talent of anybody in the country and just said, hey, track me. You ain't going to keep up. And they and this last man last man with the ball wins. And a field goal that Alabama misses and a Tennessee field goal that they hit. Kid hits a knuckleball. It's a difference maker. But there's this crazy stat I saw the, uh, this week uh, or t- this morning. David Ubbin tweeted this out. I want to go ahead and make sure I, I get it uh, absolutely right. In the history of college football, top three teams were 476-0 and when scoring 49 points in a game. Tennessee made it 476-1. and You think he went through and counted all those? 
How tedious if he did. He's got a he's got a he's got a database or something something that he looks it up in. I know he does. He's he's the encyclopedia. He's got the spreadsheets. He's got the databases. This is this is yeah, this is one of those things where it's like scheme can win. Coaching can win. It makes a difference. And you point out the comparison. I don't know if there's any Auburn fans at this point. Maybe there's a few of them out there. When you're talking about is two seasons enough to get a grade, get a grip on like what Brian Harson said. Do you need to give him more time? Do you need all that? Here's here's the perspective of the timing thing, right? No matter what Auburn does moving forward. Josh Heupel and Brian Harson were hired in the same cycle. Josh Heupel's got his team undefeated. They just beat Alabama at home in a, in a, in a shootout. Auburn's going backwards. They're regressing. Now, they had a chance to beat Alabama, but it was a completely different way that they all, they almost beat Alabama last year at home. It's enough time. It is enough time to make a determination on what you want moving forward. You, you just, you've seen that. The, can, the steam's coming off of Kansas a little bit. Oklahoma got them yesterday. I mean, look, hey, man, TCU, our friend Parker at Stats at War had pointed this out. This TCU team, Scored less than 30 points a game against Power 5 competition last season. They're over 45 now. And he pointed out under under Sonny Dykes in year one, he pointed out TCU returned nine starters on offense and only added one guy in the transfer portal that plays significant minutes on offense. And it's still what they're doing works. Right? So it's culture, it's scheme, it's it's all that stuff. It, it, that job matters. And it hasn't clicked for Auburn under Brian Harson here recently. But it's working other places, and that's something like people are going to pair it. You you can look at uh, you can look up and say, you know, hey, the Vols are back. This team's back. This team's back. This team's you know doing well, and Auburn's just not in that boat. I know people will normally say Auburn moves too quickly on things like this. Um, certainly, members of national media have been willing to do that. They clearly haven't watched the game or done a Google search on the recruiting rankings. Yeah, I, I mean, it's also like, I don't, this is anecdotal. Um, it doesn't really matter if you're good. I don't know who likes Brian Harson right now. I think his players are still fighting for him. You know what? That's it. fair. I mean, and I think that's different than liking him, but whatever it is that you call it, they, um, they didn't roll over when they were down three touchdowns, as you pointed out. Whenever Auburn makes a decision, people are going to point out what happened in February. They're going to point out boosters. They're going to point out and like it. There's a lot of that that junk that plays into it, right? I'm not going to say it didn't matter at all, or none of this matters at all, or Auburn's not being on the same page and all that has it isn't going to affect. It definitely does, but like in the history of Auburn football, I don't know if they've ever made a decision on a head coach being like, "This is your time. You're done." where it's been, like, not justified. Like, Gus Malzahn, at least in that point, like that, I mean, look, man, Gus dropped 70 at UCF this week. He's living his best life down there. But at that point, at Painter, we talked about it for it, over the last couple of years at that point, the program had stagnated. It was not going forward. So you make a move trying to go forward, and instead you're going backwards. I don't think there's ever been a case of, like, two things can be true. Like, Gus Malzahn's tenure was going in the wrong direction. It was okay to make a move. And also, Brian Harson was a bad fit, bad hire. It's not working. Like, both of those things, to me, are very apparent. I don't think rehashing yep. 
those two as as much as it has been as very productive. Yeah, no, I. I mean, I'm not saying that's what you're doing. It's just what I've seen. Yeah, no, online oh, in my little in my little yeah. orbit because it's easy. Because it's easy. It gets it gets interaction. It gets clicks. It gets reads. It gets tweets. It's easy. I'm not saying me. I'm not saying me. Let me be clear on this. But like Auburn fans. You know who to trust. You know who pays attention. You know who's been around here. You know, and there's some people who are national folks who aren't here in Auburn that know Auburn and know the situation and have level-headed takes on it. You know who you know who they are. So don't let it, don't let don't let the ones who aren't get to you. I guess is my advice. Otherwise, it might be a it might be a frustrating few weeks online. Uh, Dave seems to be fighting the good fight, though. He's battling and simply asking people to leave us alone. All right, so we're, we'll do some basketball here to wrap it up shortly because um, we got we got some things to talk about. But before we do that, appreciate it. Is there anything else you want to say on this on this game? Turnovers, the onside kick, the fact that Auburn's defense is regressing. I mean, that all that can overshadow the fact that yeah, Auburn may have figured up a little bit on the on the ground. Film room on uh, Monday. We'll 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 dig in and see how much of that's sustainable. That's gonna be the that's gonna be the focus. I hope the people that went to the game enjoyed the tailgating. Yeah. Also, by the way, on that, I know there were a lot of pictures of like, hey, old Miss fans not not here. Ah, bad support and all that. It, they were. It's a. It's the latest arriving crowd I I see in college football every year. They had that that student section was packed out to the brim. You know, by the first quarter, like it was. It's just a late arriving crowd. It'll happen. That'll happen. Just wanted to throw that out there. All right. If you like this podcast and you want more of it, you can get more of it with a subscription to the Auburn Observer. Uh, you get all of my newsletters, all of uh, my writing, the uh, more in-depth breakdowns of uh, Auburn football and men's basketball. We're talking X's and O's, stats, um, strategy, big picture stuff, small picture stuff. We have it all. And we try to give you something that you can't get anywhere else at the Observer. And when you sign up, it's $6 a month or $60 a year. And everything we do gets sent straight to your email inbox. So every time a newsletter comes out, boom, it's in your inbox. 6 a.m. Central Time most mornings. Or if we're doing a podcast that day, that comes into your uh, your email inbox as well. So you get alerted as soon as the podcast drops. And it's the only way to get the premium podcast, which we preview uh, the upcoming week's games uh, and uh, during football season and um also it's the only way to get the friends of the program podcast with painter dave and pablo you are going to want to sign up for that um so yeah subscribe to the observer um this week i want to say a little little house housekeeping right now this week um there is going to be sec basketball media days on wednesday our podcast because of travel our podcast our premium podcast for the week might not come out till friday just because of recording schedule this week. I don't know. Is Friends of the Program, are y'all doing one this week? Probably not. Okay. Um, maybe wait wait until, yeah, take the bye week off. Instead, if you want more Painter Sharpless in your life, it is the off week, which means he's got the mailbag on Friday. So send in your questions to Painter. Um, Painter, you, you have an email you want him to send to? Yes. Send it to paintsharp at gmail.com. PaintSharp at gmail.com, or you just tweet him at him. He'll he'll have some tweets this week about it at PaintSharpless on Twitter. Ask Painter all your questions about Auburn football and basketball and anything else that you feel like he can answer. That is an off week tradition we have here on the site, and Painter will be back blessing you with the mailbag. That'll be on Friday. Uh, so 
yeah, SEC Media Day is coming this week. We'll have we'll have more basketball this week, taking advantage of the off week for Auburn football. If you like this podcast, you're already subscribed or you're not subscribed, and you want to help us out in another way, Painter, how can they do it? Take about 20 seconds, please. Rate, review, and subscribe. That's right. Rate, review, and subscribe. It takes just a few seconds. It moves us up those charts. We do appreciate it. Simply one line in the review will do. You can go crazy. Some of y'all get creative, but five stars, you know, and then keep telling people about us. Uh, we mm-hmm. essentially only use you as that. I mean, not essentially. You are our source of marketing. You are our marketing arm. You're our best source of marketing. And uh, we thank you guys for it. So, yeah, give us give us a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the air when you do to shout you out and also uh, make us feel better about our lives. Another way you can help us out, another way you can market, is by buying an Auburn Observer T-shirt from our friends at Home Field Apparel Painter. Mine came in this week, this weekend while I was gone. Um, I'm considering wearing it to media days in basketball this week, Try to get the brand out there. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. Brand awareness. Yeah, that's that's what I'm leaning towards at this point. We'll we'll see. Um, I'm very happy. Really... I've got coworkers out here buying them. Um, people oh, are sending great. them to me uh, when they do things like go fishing or sit on their couch. Both excellent activities to wear the shirt in. Yep, 100. percent It is the most comfortable t-shirt money can buy. It's that heather navy. It's got the chest print of the Auburn Observer logo. Really simple. Really stylish. You'll look. 10% more attractive by just wearing it. Trust me, we've got the we've done the science on that. Um, but it's all thanks to our friends from Homefield Apparel. So go to homefieldapparel.com, search Auburn Observer shirt, and get it. Uh, you can also get a lot of good Auburn University and Auburn Tigers stuff there as well um, from Homefield. Or maybe there's a team or there's a school or a logo that you really, really like, and you want to get it in the most comfortable T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts that you can find anywhere. That's at Homefield Apparel. Um, I just got a Wyoming golf shirt to go along with my Observer shirt that just came in the mail. Um, you can get more. And uh, this week, since it's since we're about to talk a little basketball, since we're getting to the point where uh, uh, we're getting closer to basketball season, I'm gonna say it. You're gonna want the original Obby uh, Homefield shirt, 1965. Nice white, very comfortable white T-shirt uh, with the old Auburn basketball. Obby's Obby's. Uh, Looking like he's about to just throw down a, a, a like a Statue of Liberty dunk on somebody. Um, you're gonna want that. Homefieldapparel.com. Use the promo code Observer for 15% off if it is your first time ordering from the good brand. And we thank you, Connor and Whitney and the whole gang up there, for continuing to support what we've got going on and by printing our T-shirts. Painter, big day on this Sunday. The Ken Palm ratings are out. Auburn basketball, 13th in the country. It says not disrespect, people. It's not disrespect. It's not. It's not third in the SEC. I'll tell you who they're ahead of in the SEC. Arkansas, Alabama, and there's a gap until you get to Florida. Um, Yeah, uh, Kentucky, as always, pretty high up in Kempom rankings to start with. Tennessee as well. It's going to be a really good team. Um, 13th in the country and third... In the SEC, after losing two All-Americans, I'll, I'll tell you this, SEC Media Days this week, this Wednesday in Birmingham, I'll be there, um, and we'll have coverage from that. Katie Johnson and Wendell, Katie Johnson and Wendell Green Jr. Will be, uh, will be there for Auburn. They will represent Auburn. 
And um, yeah, I uh, I don't think Auburn's gonna. I would be surprised if Auburn's picked to finish third in the SEC this year. I really am. I think I think you're probably looking at a fourth or a fifth, or maybe around then. I think that's what the expectation should be. So the numbers give it a little bit more love to Auburn. Um, balance too, man. I'm looking some at other programs will be good. You're right. Yeah, the balance here too. Also, Auburn eleventh in adjusted offensive efficiency. This is projections. 14th in defense. I think this will be a pretty balanced basketball team. Now, of course, Kentucky and Tennessee are going to get a lot of a lot of hype, and they probably should. Arkansas and Alabama's got the recruiting classes. They've got some pieces coming back on their teams as well. And then you got that tier of like Florida, LSU, uh, Missouri, um, yeah, A&M, Ole Miss, Mississippi State are all kind of in a wad there. And then you drop down to Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and at the very bottom is is Georgia. Um, according, this is Ken Palm projections right now. Projected record according to Ken Palm: twenty-one and nine and eleven and seven in SEC play. Twenty-one and nine and eleven and seven. Now that you know, you will play one more extra game somewhere in there because of um, the 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 tournament in Mexico, the multi-team event in Mexico, I should say. Um, but yeah, say Auburn goes twenty-one, twenty-two, and nine, eleven and seven in the conference. Probably didn't win the league, but that's a top four seed in in the conference, and that's probably a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Like that's that's exactly where you pick Auburn. Like projections right now would have Auburn as three seed, four seed in the NCAA tournament. That's what kind of the vibes are around, right? And this is just one projection. You know, so other places have them a little lower. Um, but Ken Palm is the one we like to go to a lot. Um, by the way, Auburn. In non-conference play, St. Louis, Memphis, and USC, 39, 34, and 36. Those are two – those are three straight top 40 teams they're going to play. Or, you know, not straight, but, like, in non-conference play. Uh, UW is at – Washington is at 113. Um, and, yeah, this conference play is going to be a bloodbath, as always. So, Auburn's got some teams in the hundreds that they play early on. Uh, 184, George Mason, 174, South Florida. 162 Winthrop, 305 Texas Southern, 124 Bradley, and then 39 St. Louis, uh, 115 Colgate, 34 Memphis, 234 Georgia State, 36 USC, and then 113 Washington. West Virginia is at 73rd to start in the Kempom rating. So, Painter, like I said, I think that's pretty respectful of what Auburn's got. This is a team that brings experience back, and that that's going to factor in these ratings a lot, especially in the backcourt. Uh, but lose two All-Americans and be predicted to be a team that could be a three or four seed in the NCAA tournament, a top four seed in the SEC, that's pretty dang respectful if you ask me. Uh, yeah, I think when you talk about the the humans, if you will, in SEC media days, like understandably people are going to be high on Muslim in Arkansas, and I think that's pretty fair, by the way. Uh, I think the vibes around Alabama will be pretty positive. Uh, so it is encouraging to see the old uh, the data machine liking Auburn at this point. Uh, and, and generally speaking, I think Bruce has done an excellent job of pulling the most out of his players and often overachieving on expectations. Uh, they did it as recently yeah. as last year. No, 100%. And, like, this isn't going to line up with the human predictions. Like, I think North Carolina is going to be a pretty consensus number one for a lot of places this, this season. Uh, they're number nine in Kempom right now uh, in the in the projection. So, like, yeah, it's this is what 
the data machine, like you said, Painter, is, is spitting out. The humans will be different. You know, going into media days this week, I wouldn't be surprised. It's like, yeah, Kentucky, Tennessee. I wouldn't be surprised if Arkansas gets gets the nod over Auburn, obviously. Um, and then it's like maybe Alabama. It's like I think it's just going to depend on how the you know how the uh, the the people who are voting feel about Alabama's talent they've got coming in that really good recruiting class that they did versus Auburn bringing back some more experience, especially in the backcourt, and then adding guys like Jani Broom and Chance Westry, and, and of course, Yohan Traor. Um, it'll, be, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Kentucky, though, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about. Like, you know, they're going to be super, super high in these rankings. Yeah, yeah Oscar Shibway is back. He didn't go to the NBA after being the most dominant player in college basketball last season. And I saw it slide across the ticker, I believe, the other night. But something to the effect of Kentucky having two of the top five prospects and three in the top eight in their recruiting class, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and Duke's got a super crazy class as well. Like, yeah, like it's just, it's Kentucky, man. That's what they're going to do. <laughs> it's just going to be a matter of can can what you're doing uh, overcome them on a game-by-game basis. and Potentially, yeah. So this this uh this non-conference schedule looks looks pretty interesting for Auburn. Um, there's gonna be some tests. Not you know there's not a there's not a Gonzaga or a Baylor on this on this non-conference schedule for Auburn. But they're, I mean St. Louis, Memphis, USC, West Virginia ish. Um, may yeah I mean like those are teams that you would expect to make it to the NCAA tournament this year. And then of course like teams like George Mason and South Florida and Winthrop and Bradley. And Colgate, coming out of one-bid leagues, Georgia State too, like coming out of one-bid leagues for the most part, they play well enough and hit the hit hit the uh, hit, hit the stride just right in March. They they could be dancing as well. So, um, like I said, media days this week, we will have some more um, we will have some more uh, Auburn basketball coverage this week because of media days. And, and the like. Be interested to hear from Wendell Green Jr. and Katie Johnson. Uh, this should be a fun time. And it's it's been a minute, Painter. I've only been to Basketball Media Days once ever. Um, and that was when I was in college. So I'm looking forward to, to getting back into it and having like an actual real deal Basketball Media Days again because it's been a while with COVID and, and whatnot. Do you think it'll be more pleasant than Football Media Days since it's probably yes. a much calmer event? Less people, a lot calmer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm... I'm I think it'll be good. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And we'll talk more about that. Um, depending on what happens this week with football, our next podcast might just be basketball only. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, Painter's doing the mailbag on Friday. Film room on Monday. More newsletters come throughout the week. Uh, appreciate you guys subscribing. Appreciate you guys listening. Like I said, rate, review, and subscribe if you would like to help us out. Um, it just takes a few seconds and it really helps us out a lot. Gets more eyeballs on the newsletter and more ear holes on the podcast. That's, uh, that's what we're going for here. That's all I've got. Painter, do you got anything else? Nope. That's it. So you want to end it like that? Yeah. Yeah.
go.